You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. For another episode of the Lakers Fast Break podcast, it's Gerald Glassford coming right back at you here from Pop Culture Cosmos. The Lakers Fast Break, Inside Sports Fantasy Football, and Game Source. We truly appreciate everyone out there listening to all of our great shows. And if you can, please give us that five star review on Apple Podcasts. Plus, if you can like, share, support, or do whatever you can to take care of us right here at the Lakers Fast Break, or my good friend's show. NBA Draft Junkies, and also the Lakerholics.com. Always got to give them a shout out. Now, Laker Tom really shouted out at me on the end episode, but, you know, we won't go into that. But if you get a chance, please support everything you can right here at the Lakers Fast Break. It is truly appreciated. Well, he's back again. He endured the NBA playoffs with me. And off, off camera, I did talk to him. I, I actually, we were negotiating on him becoming full-time host of the show with me. Um, but the words, not on your life, Gerald, came up. And I said, okay, we'll go ahead and move on. So, But he is my good friend. And he is going to probably come back when the NBA playoffs come around. So it's always good to have him there. But you know he's going to come back many more times as a guest. It is the man behind NBA Draft Junkies. The place to go. For NBA draft info, news, profiles, and so much more. It is NBA Draft Junkies on YouTube, where there's over 13,000 subscribers. Every time I talk to him, it seems to go up by a few hundred. So please keep on with the love at NBA Draft Junkies. Plus, he's going to be updating his mock draft very soon because mock drafts are out there. Like myself, I'm going to mock, uh, update mine at popculturecosmos.com. But you got to check out his mock draft. When it comes up, NBADraftJunkies.com, it is my good friend indeed. It is Mr. Raphael Barlow. And Raphael, thank goodness you're not here with on the weekends. I'm glad you're busy, my friend, because it gets, it's gets it been getting pretty violent on the weekends with the Lakerholics. I mean, yeah, I guess that's what happens when there's no basketball. Too much free time. Oh, my gosh. Hurry up and get the season started. Special, a special shout-out to Laker Tom. You know, I hope all is well. I hope you, you're going to go ahead and – not sharpen the knives too much, but we will get back on with another Lakers championship roundtable, hopefully this weekend. Plus, also, I have interviews coming up with NBA draft prospect Mike, Le- Mike Lenoir. Also, as well, Chris LeBron from the Off the Ball Podcast Network. He's going to stop by as well. So, a great week. Took kind of like a few days off because I was working on some stuff, including something that just dropped today as we're talking. It is a championship rewind. Part one, looking back at some of the great conversations that I had with a whole bunch of guests in the first part of the Lakers championship season. So look for that as well on the Lakers Fast Break podcast channel. But there's so much to talk about, my friend. And before we get into the NBA draft, because you and I could talk about NBA draft until, well, let's say draft time. I want to talk to you about some of the rumors that are going on in the past couple of days because ESPN besides laying off hundreds of people they've also been very busy actually doing nba news work and a couple things that they've reached out on is first off chris paul rumors are a galore they're out there galore i mean you're talking about new york you talked about a couple other places but the most interesting trade rumor came up yesterday and him becoming an integral piece for the phoenix suns your thoughts on chris paul maybe possibly joining the Phoenix Suns? The first thought that comes to my mind about Chris Paul and the Phoenix Suns is 
Robert Sarver is known for being notoriously cheap, right? Yes, very much. So, Leon Rose is in charge of the New York Knicks. Chris Paul is a CAA client. If I'm not mistaken, Devin Booker is a CAA client. Mm-hmm. Now, all of a sudden, Robert Sarver wants to, I mean, allegedly, take on one of the biggest contracts in the NBA. All this tells me is there might be some pressure about trying to make Devin Booker happy. Well, you got to remember they had that eight-game winning streak in the bubble. I don't know if that's They had the eight-game winning streak in the bubble. Do you and think I it's mean, a, I think full, good. full scold? No. Uh, I mean, I don't think they can maintain it, obviously, but mm-hmm. I definitely think that, um, you know, if healthy, because, you know, eight missed like 25 games. Yes. And, and all of that. And so, um, you know, if he doesn't, if they win a few of those games, then they would have been a playoff team. Yes. So I think the, the playoff push that they had, plus, um, you know, I, I just think that if Sarver continues to be cheap and Phoenix doesn't make the playoffs next year, the year after that, then I think you're going to start seeing rumblings about Devin Booker being unhappy. I agree with you. Yeah. It's pretty and obvious. You, and I think with with Leon Rose in New York, I think, one, it helps. I think it's going to help the Knicks, as I've mentioned in previous podcasts. And then also other teams, like, for example, Minnesota and uh, Phoenix, those teams have all-stars that are young and they're CAA clients. Even though they're signed long-term, if they don't make the playoffs – then I think you're going to start seeing the grumblings. And CA has a history of pushing their guys to LA and New York and to larger markets. So I think with Rose going to the Knicks, it puts pressure on other teams and owners to spend money to try to be competitive because you don't want to lose your your, your clients. And so, yeah, just to me, like it's odd that that uh, the rumors, the two teams you're hearing the most, well, I mean, I guess the Milwaukee rumors have died down, but lately it's the Knicks and and the Suns. Yeah. And, you know, Devin Booker's, like I said, he's a CAA guy, and there's, there's definitely, he could definitely put some pressure on management to try to make that happen because if you add Chris Paul to that team, then they become a playoff team in my opinion. That's true. I think they would be very sound in doing so. Uh, there'd be a little bit issues maybe with the the lack of depth because obviously if you're trading uh, for Chris Paul, you're going to leave you open and vulnerable, but hopefully you can pick that up in free agency or whatnot. But you and I both have heard the rumors that the Knicks seeing their position are wisely saying, you know what? Throw your bad money contracts our way. Throw your bad money contracts, but your picks that way as well because they're trying to acquire assets they're in asset acquiring mode it looks like from all appearances yeah. they're not having any yeah. delusions right now of saying oh yeah we're going to try really hard to get the eighth playoff spot they're talking about building towards the future and i think that's really smart yeah and to me they're building assets to be able to acquire one of their <laughs> ca guys that's just my opinion i i know i agree and, with you yeah yeah, so it's because um, I mean that'd be an easier path, you know. It's just kind of like with Anthony Davis, he just kind of showed the power of, even though he was under contract, how him and his agency were able to pretty much force a trade to to the Lakers. Now the 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 CAA guys probably have more years left on their contract, so it won't be as easy, but it's it's likely. Yeah, very much likely, and. There's also more rumblings that I know you've heard uh, from ESPN, again, talking about it and spreading that out there. And that is in Houston with another notoriously cheap or, well, he hasn't been cheap as far as a couple of contracts concerned, but someone who has lost a bit of money in the pandemic. And that is Tillman Fertitta, who a major restaurant owner and things of that nature. Obviously that industry has been really hard hit by the coronavirus. So there's been talk now with Mike D'Antoni leaving and going to become an assistant coach with the Brooklyn Nets and also Daryl Morey leaving and becoming the president of operations with basketball operations with the Philadelphia 76ers. 
you have a new general manager and a somewhat new. He did coach a little bit, Stephen Silas, but a somewhat new coach. He might not have the best situation for both Westbrook and Harden. So there's now talk that Westbrook and Harden, they haven't asked for a trade, but it sounds like there's some rumblings in both of their camps right now. Yeah, I mean, that's weird to me. I don't, Westbrook doesn't really talk to the media like that. No, but and I mean, then, it sounds like an agent. Yeah, uh, I don't know. I mean, not not saying that it's false, but I mean, those are two guys that don't really have any leaks about about anything, you know, in past history. So, I mean, I think when Harden was traded last time, we didn't know about it until it happened. Even when Westbrook was traded, I don't even think there were a lot of rumors about that. Um, but no, I mean, I can see, I mean, the one important report that I did read that seems the most accurate was they were concerned about the direction of the team um, because, you know, they may feel like they're not championship or bust. So, um, so yeah, I mean, I, I think that that part is true. If, if I were Houston, even though they don't have a lot of, a lot of money, I think that DeMarcus Cousins, I would take a shot at him, even though he's rumored to already have a handshake deal with the Lakers, but I would definitely, you know, try to add him. Maybe Serge Ibaka. I think they have like the, what is it like the taxpayers MLE something and like a, that. Five and a half, I think. Five and a half. Million. I saw one for nine, for okay. nine. <laughs> it's just weird to see that Houston is. You don't know the identity of the team anymore because when you think of Houston the last few years, you think of James Harden in isolation, that Tony offense, no mid-range jumpers, yada yada yada. All of that is gone now, as far as like the people that were in charge of that. So. I don't know. I mean, I don't think anything happens within the next few weeks. I imagine Westbrook and Harden both being there. But I do feel like if they trade Westbrook because the owner's being cheap, then Harden is not going to be happy. I agree with you. And that, that's going to mean that possibly a trade for Harden could be in the works. If that's the case, do you see it happening sooner or later? Uh, maybe trade deadline at the earliest? I don't know. I mean, they both have so many years left on their deal. Yeah, like, can you even get a fair trade for James Harden? No. Like, whatever team that he goes to, he's going to want to go to a winner. They'd have to deplete their pretty much everything to to make it work. So yeah. I think he'd be difficult, difficult to trade. Unless he wanted to be traded. If he made rumblings that he wanted to go, then then you really, it's forced your hand, per se. Yeah, and I still think it ends up like the situation with Carmelo in New York. They end up giving up so much to make the salaries fit that, you know, you don't really put yourself closer to a championship. Yeah, but I agree with you. But I, th I think if it gets if, – if Houston gets off to a poor start, then yep. the rumblings will get louder and louder, and it'll be very interesting to see if that's the case. Because like, like we talked about earlier – I mean, Tillman Fertitta, uh, you know, he has had a lot of financial issues because of the coronavirus. No question about that. And if that being the case, he's not going to be able to spend money. And Houston is already at the is already at the cap. I think they're over the limit. Correct? Yeah, yeah. And that's why I, <laughs> I don't know, man. I just figured, like, if you are owner of an NBA team, your main goal should be to win. And and I, maybe it's my background in Europe where, you know, the NBA, if it doesn't make dollars, it doesn't make sense. Well, I shouldn't say just the NBA, but in America, period. Wow. In Europe, they're willing to lose money to win because winning is the most important thing. And whoever is in charge of the finances, it is not their main job. Yeah. Tillman Fertitta is not going to go broke. I mean, if he loses... 50% of his net worth tomorrow, he's still in the top 1% of the world. And so I just think, like, if you want to own an NBA team, you shouldn't, like, nickel and dime the fans because of what happened with your personal personal money. Absolutely. I mean, But it's it, not my money to spend, though. So <laughs> it's easier, easier said than done. Easier said than done, though. But if you buy a team, I, I would assume you would want to try and – Yes, maybe as, as an investment opportunity, obviously that's the goal is to make money with it. But 
the goal oftentimes should align with where you want your team to be at. If you want your team to be a winner and win championships, that usually equates to a, you know, a more profitable outlook going forward as well. Yeah. I mean, you got James Harden in his prime. He's won with the last three scoring titles. So yeah. I, I think like you try to max out while, while you have James Harden in his prime. Then if you know, you have no shot, then that's when you maybe you cut costs, but not not right now. At some point, they'll have to think about it because they have very few assets outside of the yeah. Eric Gordons, outside of the Robert Covingtons, and of course Westbrook and Harden because they don't have many draft choices because they traded some of those away to Oklahoma City in the Westbrook trade. So they're going to have to look if it doesn't get much better in Houston. They're going to have to look at those options going forward. Yeah, and that's the thing I liked about Daryl Morey. When Daryl Morey and Leslie Alexander were together, they never bottomed out. They were consistently in the playoffs every year. I mean, I, I think what's the last lottery pick they had? Maybe was it Markeith Morris or Marcus Morris or something like that? Something like that. Maybe yeah. they had one more after that. But they've consistently been able to make the playoffs and they've never tanked or, you know, bottomed out. I mean, what, since since Yao? It seems like it's probably seems as if it's been like 15 years or something like that. I know they have the longest playoff streak now. Yeah. So it's something to definitely take a look at when it comes to Houston. But we'll see. We'll see what happens. Uh, it's very interesting. This is Raphael from NBADraftJunkies.com, and you are listening to the Lakers Fast Break. Hey, Lakers fans. Looking for the best place to go for up-to-date news, information, original videos, articles, podcasts, opinion pieces, and discussions about the world champion, Los Angeles Lakers? Well, look no further than Lakerholics.com. With a legion of followers always there talking about everything Lakers and the NBA, there's no better place to go to share your fandom as the team heads toward another championship run. So stop by and be part of the conversation today at Lakerholics.com. Because the season is coming right around the corner, my friend. I mean, it's pretty much a done deal that the 22nd of December is going to be the start date. You surprised it happened? I know we've talked about this ad nauseum during our playoff coverage and also in our previous conversations. We were talking early December, then we came to maybe January, Martin Luther King's birthday, or in February. So, yeah. you know, it now it's changed and flip-flop all over the place. So now it looks like it's December 22nd that they've ratified an agreement on between the players and the owners. So I want to hear your thoughts on that. I mean, is it too much too soon? I think it's – I guess it's okay. I, I really can't complain when you're a Lakers fan because, you know what, yes, it is a short rest, but you know what, I'll take the championship every time. Yeah, I mean, it's only a short rest if you're Lakers or the Miami Heat. The majority of the teams, it's it may be similar to a normal off season, but then you have the teams that didn't make the playoffs. They have not played since March. Yeah. So, you know, there's like what fourteen teams or something like that 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 haven't played since March. And uh, yeah, plus you know, dollars. It, it makes financial sense to have the games on Christmas and. You know, I was just joking a few weeks ago. I was like, yeah, what do you do on Christmas if there's no NBA? Like, you really got to pay attention to your family then. <laughs> Get the board games out. Exactly. Or watch those college uh, football games that nobody wants to watch. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I just think it makes sense. I talked to a, a player, and he was like, I think he told me that if they would have pushed it back to January, they would have had 22 back-to-backs or something like that. And then also the money you just want to get the schedule. Yeah. The money on top of the back to backs, but then you want to get the schedule back on track for, for next season. Yeah. And I, so that's, to me, that's the main thing. Now 72 games in a season seems like it's a more realistic and plausible idea because you and I see both with most of these playoff teams, they usually cruise control those last 10 games of the season. If, if they've got a position locked up, but I want to ask you this. I I don't think that's going to be something that's going to be the norm. I think 82, they'll go back to once it gets back to somewhat of a normal 
surroundings per se and, and hopefully we can go ahead and you know have this a lot better for the fans coming in and the season gets aligned I think we'll go back to 82 but I will kind of miss the 72 game season just because it seems like it's a better fit for the NBA in 2021 which will be at that time yeah I mean like they had to you know everything is financially driven that's why I think they'll go back to 82 oh yeah, yeah. And, and so um but yeah I mean 72 it's i mean it's it's going to be a condensed season it won't be as condensed as we thought it would be but i could see i could see a team like the lakers kind of coasting but i think next year the nba is going to be so competitive that you can't really afford to coast too much well i, I mean, know maybe the lakers can well i know lebron um, had talked about or at least obama had talked to lebron about cruising through the first period of time and i I had noted that to Laker Tom in our discussions, and while most of us in Laker Hawks agree that maybe the Lakers will take it a little bit easier in the first part of the season, he thinks that even if that's the case, they're still going to end up being number one. I don't think it's if if you take a break off, if you take some time off, or if you let's you say you just don't play to your full potential, or you take extra breaks, you take extra days off, things of that nature. I don't think you can expect to become or be number one in either conference if you're going to do that. Yeah, I mean, I think a team like Golden State, depending on what they do with this draft pick, they have the assets to be able to acquire a really good player. And I don't really see them kind of cruising it because they're very well rested. Um, Denver? Denver should be good. And yeah, I mean, I think if there's going to be fans, what they're talking about, then there is going to be an incentive of trying to get home court. And then the LA Clippers, you know, obviously they're going to retool a little bit, but still be very formidable and could possibly even be the favorite as well, along with the Lakers. So there's a lot of things to look at there. So I I say with some hesitation uh, that I think the Lakers will go ahead and maybe rest a little bit. I think it's in their best interest to go ahead and say, you know what, we'll give LeBron a couple weeks off or we'll give AD a week or two off here and there just so we can get them primed for the playoffs because that's the end goal is the playoffs. And you've seen that the team, the best teams can go ahead and play well either at home or, or on the road. They seem to go ahead and be effective anywhere, including a bubble. So whether it's the Lakers or the Miami Heat, for instance, they seem to play, play well in any environment. So I don't think with a full crowd or full load of people out there as far as being, you know, because of coronavirus and all that, that it's going to matter as much because we saw that that was the case. It seemed like the best basketball teams or the best teams playing the best basketball seem to come out on top. Well, yeah, but look at it this way. Right, let's say Golden State had been the number one seed, and miraculously, we can have a hundred percent capacity in in May or, or June. Yeah. Does anyone want to go to? I wanted to call it Oracle, this new arena, and, and face Golden State, knowing that they're going to have home court advantage. The they're Chase still Center. a championship team. Yeah. yeah the Chase Center. Yep. So. Uh, it's it's going to be interesting. I think some teams will try to cruise, and then they'll realize that they can't afford to, and then they're just going to keep going. Well, we'll see what happens, my friend. I'm very interested to see. It's going to be a very hectic time. I think it's like the calm right now before the storm, because as we're yeah, talking, coming one right week away. from today, one week from today, my friend, I can't believe it. After you and I were seemingly waiting forever. Yep. The NBA draft is coming, and then two days after that, NBA free agency. And that, while it's not going to be the marquee player NBA free agency, there's still going to be some interesting free agents out there for teams to get. Is there anyone, before we go into the NBA draft, is there anyone out there in NBA free agency you're interested in seeing go to maybe a championship-level team or a playoff team or somebody that's really going to make a, a name to, for themselves in NBA free agency this year? Um, I think wherever Serge Ibaka goes could be big. You know, I've seen rumors of him going to Lakers. I saw one rumor saying he's already going to sign with Houston because he's close with uh, Harden and Russ. And then if he's going to lose money, it makes sense to him to go to Texas where there's no state tax. So I think wherever he goes could, could help teams out. Um, yeah, I mean, there's not a lot of teams that have money. What is it, like Detroit? 
Charlotte, Atlanta, Atlanta New York. I think Atlanta's going to spin. I think this is a pressure year for them because yeah. if they don't make the playoffs, I think there's going to be there's going to be changes there. I think bringing in Nate McMillan has to be something that I don't know. Lloyd Pierce has to be like, okay, is this guy, you know, breathing down my neck? But you know, it's the same thing we thought about Jason Kidd going to the oh, Lakers. We thought, okay. Oh yeah, Vogel, if he gets off to a slow start or LeBron doesn't agree with something, kid is already there. Um, but no, I just think that at Atlanta is gonna try to um, you know, make a playoff push. So does having the sixth pick really benefit them adding another young player? So I think they'll try to um I mean the Drew Holiday rumor makes a lot of sense to me, the one I saw this morning, that makes sense. Um, and then I don't know if they'd have any money left after adding Holiday. But um, those, I think more so the trades than free agency because, I mean, some teams may be looking to cut costs. I think a Blake Griffin trade could be very interesting also. You've been hearing that he's healthy, which he you know, hasn't played a while. Um, another one I saw that I thought was pretty interesting was, was like Andrew Wiggins, the number two pick, and Minnesota's pick next year for Bradley Beal. That makes a lot of sense for the Wizards, in my opinion. I'd do that. Um, yeah. Which, you know, if you end up getting like Wiseman, Wiggins, and, um, you know, Kate. a first round. Kay Cunningham or any of the uh, first rounds next year? Yeah, I have this theory, right? Although it's Mark probably it going to be protected, though, right? I would assume one to three. Yeah, well, I don't even know if the the Minnesota pick is or not. I'm not sure. But I have this theory. Mark it down. It is November 11th. Mark it and down now. OKC is going to be bad. Cade Cunningham is going to be the number one pick for the Oklahoma City Thunder. You keep him in Oklahoma. And I was talking to a friend of mine that's actually, he's an NBA player. He's from Oklahoma City. And he says, never in the team's history have they not had a superstar. So it's... He's interested in seeing, you know, if there were a full capacity of fans, how are the fans going to react? Because they've been spoiled. They started off with Kevin Durant and Westbrook and Harden, and then they were able to have Paul George, Carmelo. But Westbrook was always there. And even this year without Westbrook there, Chris Paul, I don't think he had a big buzz going into the season, but the fact that they were winning helped them out. And so if, you know, Chris Paul has moved, let's say he's moved in that deal for Phoenix. So who's, who are the fans going to watch? I mean, are they going to, I mean, I think Gilgis Alexander is definitely going to be a good player, but yeah. So I think the NBA may kind of uh, throw them a lob <laughs> so they can have, you know, Kate, you know, he's, he's from Texas, but just kind of stay in Oklahoma. I don't know. I think the New York Knicks are really trying hard to tank next year. If they don't pay Van Vliet or make a trade for Chris Paul. That's what I'm saying. If they don't do that, and they, or they yeah. can't do that, if they can't get, don't get it done, I have a feeling they will try hard to tank for Cade Cunningham. And Cade Cunningham would be a megastar in New York. Uh, yeah, I just don't see Tibbs agreeing with tanking. I, I, I just heard from a, uh, a agent of a player that, you know, they had their players in New York at this mini camp. <laughs> he said Tibbs worked the hell out of them. It was just a, you know, voluntary mini camp and he's on it. So <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't see him taking learning from his past mistakes. Well, I mean, like, so I had this argument with somebody and they, he has such a reputation about playing his guys, heavy minutes. I'm like, if you go look at Eric Spolstra's players minutes, they're the same. Like when LeBron was playing with Miami, he was averaging like 38 minutes a game. And it's like, for what? They were good. They didn't, they were dominating the East. He didn't need to average 38 minutes a game. And, you know, to me, Spo is from the Riley tree, which I think Tibbs was an assistant under Riley in New York, if I'm not mistaken. I think so, you're right. Yeah. So it's just Tibbs gets the flack for it does because the results aren't behind it 
hundred percent. I mean, he did have a playoff run here and there, but yeah, for the most part, it's been a lot of behind the scenes as far as the player minutes and things of that nature. But I don't know. I mean, if that's the case and New York tries to tries to tank or unintentionally tries to tank because they just have an awful team right now. That could be the case where Kate ends up there. But you're right, Oklahoma City, there there's gonna be Detroit. If I was Detroit, I would trade Griffin just and also as well have Derek Rose there, trade him for future assets. Yep. Which you can to go ahead because next year's draft, you and I will be in a lot more jovial mood next year's draft, I think, than this one. So I don't know. I mean, like, because I've heard as many as seven players. From what I'm seeing and reading, I'm looking at the players right now. Even already started looking down on video. There's at least six that that catch my eye more so than this year's. I don't know. I mean, to me, I guess you. I judge draft classes by five years after draft day yeah, that's you just never know um i mean i think they're protecting these kids and putting them in the g league they're not going to play against anybody so their stock is going to remain the same you know because who are they going to play against and if they put them in position to where they don't look good then that pretty much ends the whole g league path program so those guys are going to hold their stock we're signaling the ref for a quick timeout, but we'll be back with more of the Lakers Fast Break Podcast. Check out what's been going on with the Pop Culture Cosmo Show and the PCC Multiverse. I see the potential for basically like another Netflix kind of paradigm shift where here comes this other major player. They have a ton of resources. Apple could change the way that entertainment is consumed. They say it's the only time this year that you'll have stars from each brand battling each other. And we know it's not going to be the case, but they like to say that and more power to them, I guess. Well, it's a big first step bringing all those superheroes together. There were definitely some parts of the movie that I that I really enjoyed. And then there were some parts that I thought just kind of fell short of expectation. Part of it has to be something to do with how it's being promoted. And this is a thing where audiences do not agree with critics. That's the Pop Culture Cosmo Show. And the PCC Multiverse, every week on Apple Podcasts. And over a dozen of your favorite streaming and podcasting options. Speaking of stock and draft stock, we're finally going to get to it, my friends. 30 minutes in, and I truly appreciate you being part of it once again. It is my good friend, Mr. Rafael Barlow. He is the mastermind behind NBA Draft Junkies. you got to check out his entire experience today at NBA Draft Junkies on YouTube NBA Draft Junkies, the podcast, also the Run the Floor podcast, and also as well, NBADraftJunkies.com. I just want to apologize first off that I'm no longer the top earner on your website as far as the earn. So I know I've dropped. I know Alex Pugh has already passed me up. So I just wanted to apologize on behalf of myself, not being the ratings earner I once was when I first started uh, with those that that mock draft part one and two. I, uh, no, I mean, I, I used to keep up with it, but after I drop a video, it's on to to the next one. I haven't really seen. Um, yeah, I just know I had one video for for you. All of a sudden, like the money just dropped like significantly. I don't know what happened. I swore I, I didn't know. say anything controversial. I mean, my arguments with Laker Tom were just all legit. They weren't anything bad. I swear. I swear. Controversy sells. Yes, that's true. But it wasn't that controversial. I mean, talking who is the best 15th man in the league, and, and the answer is not Jared Dudley. But be that as it may, you can see on the video that he has a YouTube. One that actually stuck out to me before we go heavily into the NBA draft. And that is Will Morris. Now, yeah, I'm, I'm I, like, ta- I like Will. I, and he, I've watched this video. He seems like a nice kid and had a lot of sound reasoning behind this. And you know, my friend, I am really high on Alexei Pokashevsky. I'm really high on him. But I don't have him near the top 10 yet. Because even though he's a top 10 talent, he is not going to be picked anywhere near that high because of the fact he's just so thin just is not physically capable of the NBA grind. In fact, in some circles, I was watching the CBS Sports mock draft the other day, and they don't even have him in the top 30, just to give you an idea. But I want to hear your thoughts on, you know, some, when you see something like that and somebody tells you that, and they actually give you some sound reasoning and you're not laughing off the, 
entire video. I mean, how does that make you think like, man, maybe I got to take a second look at him? Because I really like Alex Pokashevsky. I've told you about him. But again, I just don't think he's that high being number one. Well, I mean, it just I, I look at like past drafts, right? And even NBA teams miss out. So I know, you know, like I think at one point Rudy Gobert's agent was trying to sell him to teams and teams were like, no, he's not ready. Um, and I, it's funny, Rudy just liked the tweet yesterday. Did you see that? No. Somebody, I guess he, you know, it's from whatever year, I guess 2013, saying that he was going to stay in the draft and he was going to um, not return to Europe. And somebody commented, well, he'll be back in two years. And he liked it. And I, he just like retweeted it yesterday. And, but the, the I, I want to say the tweet had a bunch of likes because people didn't think he was good. And if you do the 2013 draft all over again, what is Agreed. he? The, yeah. I mean, and so I have a friend that um he is a scout for NBA team. I won't, I won't say which team. And he showed me his notes on Giannis and he says, we need to draft this guy. But he says he convinced the other team scouts. They said, okay, yeah. Then he convinced, all, got all the way up to the top. And then the owner was like, no, <laughs> we're not going to draft. You know, he's too skinny. He's this, he's that. Thought maybe like, how can I tell my, you know, how can like when we do the draft and we draft this kid that nobody's never heard of, a name nobody can pronounce, that that. Well, I'm sure that owner regrets that to this day and with Pokashevsky nobody has denied his talent I think the biggest thing is yeah we know he's skinny but we just haven't seen him play and if he ends up being the best player in this draft we don't know like I mean look at Jokic (laughs) so that's why I I, I kind of well one I like Will for the fact that he wasn't afraid to to say that but yeah, if, if five years from now, if Pokashevsky ends up being the best player in this draft, I would not be shocked. And Will is right in five years. He will be working. Yeah, but I think a lot of times what scout, how scouts view it is different than how general managers view it. Because scouts, their thing has nothing to do with financial impact, name, marketing. They just see who they think is the best player long term while once you get up to you know management and ownership you know like i think denny avdia could be the number one pick in draft i think he could be the best player in the draft but he's not going to go number one because i don't think we're going to see a european player selected number one a european wing but with avdia you've got to sell me hard on him because his shooting it's rough to watch my friend right now 50 percent free shooter under 30 percent. i mean yes he's a playmaker excellent passer has enough aggression i really like his aggression taking off the ball how much can can he develop that and because i don't think he'll ever become a player without it and that's going to be something people have talked about him being maybe a worse shooting dario saric uh, other people have talked about him in the likes comparing to luca you know, I don't know if he falls somewhere in between, but I know his shooting is going to be an issue if it continues like that. And I can say the same for LaMelo Ball. And, and <laughs> I would agree with you on that. And and, he but is, which, and he's my number one on the big board. That's for me. Yeah, I think like if you want to just break it down, LaMelo is just as bad of a shooter. He's a better free throw shooter. But LaMelo's a much worse defender. And you have to put Melo in a situation where he has total freedom and creativity. I think Denny is more so of a plug and play guy, but LaMelo's box office and, and with LaMelo, you have to worry about his poor shooting and his um, shot selection. (laughs) So to me, like every, everybody in this draft has major question marks. Oh, I I don't disagree with you on, Yes, every single one of them. That's why this is going to be the most wild draft I've ever seen. Thoughts and opinions and analysts uh, out there are all trying to scratch their heads on exactly how to go ahead. and Every mock draft is seemingly different 
at the top, the middle, and the bottom. So it's it's nobody really knows who's going to go number one. Nobody even knows who's going to go in the top ten. So for, per se, I mean, got a general idea, but with Denny. I think if he goes to, let's say, the Hawks, I think he would be a great fit for the Hawks just because I think it's something that the team would need in that area. Do you disagree if he falls to the Hawks at number six? Yeah, I mean, but I mean, like, does he start over Collins? Are they going to start him over Reddish, who was, I forgot where he was selected last year. I think the Hawks, just my opinion, I think the Hawks are just a mess. I think they're an overall mess because one, they don't have any veteran leadership on the team. Two, you're going to have to, I think they've given Trey Young the keys too early. And by that, I mean like he has total freedom to do whatever he wants. And they're going to have to build a team of guys that can compliment him and make up for his lack of defense, but he doesn't even try on defense. Like, like literally doesn't, he doesn't try on defense. And I think like it's going to be hard for him to win when you have a guy that if he's physically unable to be a good defender, that's one thing. But if he doesn't try on defense, then you end up trying to surround him with a bunch of guys that are good defenders, but then you may not have enough offense. And then which leads to him having to do more on offense, which means he's not going to do much on defense. And so that's why I think the Drew Holiday I think Atlanta's aware of this, and that's why the Drew Holiday trade rumors, because he'll be another ball handler that will take Trey off the ball some, and he's a good defender. And then bringing in Nate McMillan, who is known for being a pretty good defensive coach. I think all of that is strategic to try to help that team out, because if they don't make the playoffs this year, then I think Lloyd Pierce is done. And I don't think he's done a bad job. I just think that it's going to be tough to build around him if Trey doesn't even try to defend. And if you really can't hold him accountable for a lack of defense, because you can't bench him. Yeah, you can't. Uh, but you supposedly have a lot of pieces there that you've drafted in DeAndre Hunter, Kevin Herter, supposed to be able to pick up the slack defensively and haven't done so yet. I'm assuming it's because of an experience and a relatively young team. In fact, it's probably the youngest team still yeah. in the NBA. So I'm going to give you credit on that, but bringing in Clint Capella is supposed to help with that. Uh, John uh, Collins, I'm not sold on as a cornerstone of the future. I don't know what you think and what you're thinking on him is, but I, I just don't think he's a cornerstone of the future. Yeah, I mean, I like Collins. It'll be interesting to see, um, you know, what they do with him. You know, if they extend him or or, or try to move him, I think Denny would. Like you said, I think Denny would help in Atlanta. I just don't know if 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 they keep Collins, then I don't know. Because I think Denny's best position to me as a four. I see Denny as this role player. I think his potential is to be a role player superstar. And when I think of a role player superstar, I think of a Draymond Green. I think of... Um, Lamar Odom, I think of a Tony Kukoc, a guy that is a connective tissue that if he just kind of makes everyone around him better, he's not going to be the best player on the team, but he does the little things to where you got him at the four, he can put the ball on the floor and create mismatches there. You can, if your point guard is being trapped, you give him the ball in the middle of the floor at the free throw line, he can make a play for himself or for others. I mentioned it before, like I remember the finals that uh, I want to say it's the first finals, Cavs Warriors, and Cleveland was trying to trap um, Steph, but they gave the ball to Draymond in the middle of the floor, and he was able to either make a play for himself or throw the lob to Bogut or find guys in the corner, but he was just a connective tissue that made everyone better. And I mean, as a Laker fan, you think about Lamar Odom. You could play him next to Powell. You could play him next to Bynum. If he got the rebound, he was able to initiate the offense for himself. And I think Denny could be that type of connective tissue. Just hope he goes ahead and, and works hard on the shooting. Because in a playoff situation, that could be rough. Because if you have them out there and the teams are playing off at him, as a stretch four, and he's not really a stretch four, or he'd have to play inside if that's the case. The offense would have to feed 
Well, I, I think like his shooting part, the free throw percentage part is legit, but the shooting, three point shooting is, it's not bad. It was like in the, the high twenty. But no, but he played well when they started the playoffs in the in the bubble when they had their own Israeli playoffs. He played well. He ended up winning MVP. But they also gave him an opportunity to play point forward. And when they put him at point forward as opposed to just standing in the corner, then, like I said, they won MVP. They won the championship. And he did all the little things. Wow. I think another reason why his, his like overall, his three-point percentage isn't as high is because he's taking some threes off the dribble. It's not like just catch and shoot. For example, I don't want to compare him to Doncic, but like if you just look at the raw numbers, Lonzo Ball is a better shooter than Luka Doncic. They're just getting them in totally different ways. Lonzo's getting wide open, catch and shoot jumpers. Luka is shooting contested, sidestep, step back jays. So he's only a 32% shooter but you don't leave him open and so i think for denny if he just only took catch and shoot shots um his percentage would be a little better but then you're not using him to his strength if you just have him standing in the corner two last things i gotta hit you up with first question is is there someone that's really sliding up your draft board i know you're going to be doing your mock draft here in a little bit on draftjunkies.com but is there anybody that you see sliding up and maybe sliding down? Yeah, I think Jalen Smith is probably the biggest rise. And t- t- for for me, this Jalen Smith rise is going to be based off of fit. I think that he is the, the perfect player to complement Zion Williamson in New Orleans because you're going to need a big that can rebound and block shots, but you're also going to need a big that and space the floor so Zion can operate in space. So based off of fit, I think that he moves up to a lottery pick. As far as sliding down, I'm in the minority here, but it's Tyrese Halliburton. I have him dropping on my on my board. You are in the minority, my friend. There is a lot of people out there who are singing in the praises right now. As a fringe top three, like three or in that range, type of pick. I've heard his name bandied about quite a bit. So tell me why he's sliding down. Well, yeah, I think that, I mean, if you interview him, like if you had every player in this draft do interviews, I think he's going to come out on top as the best interview, as the best, most likable player that you would want to have on your team. But I think he's a complimentary player, like a real complimentary player. Not even like I, I like even though I mentioned Denny, I think Denny could be a complimentary superstar just because he's a Swiss Army knife. I don't think that Halliburton is an engine that can run a team. I mean, like at least for me personally, I don't like a point guard that doesn't get to the basket. I don't like a point guard that if it's at the end of the shot clock, I can't give him the ball and say create. And so for Halliburton. He's not a threat to attack the rim. He's only attempted maybe like 75 free throws in two years. He doesn't get to the basket. I don't think that he can shoot off the dribble, which to me is very important in pick and rolls. And to me, he's like kind of like Lonzo Ball. I think Lonzo's a good guy, you know, a a decent player. But you're always going to have to have another dominant ball handler next to Lonzo because Lonzo – doesn't want to get fouled. So late in the shot clock, late in the game, he does not want the ball. And Halliburton's a good free throw shooter. But yeah, I just he's he's not a threat to get downhill. And also, I, I put it like this. Let's say you bring you bring oh, the old school NBA, right? You have a workout with Cole Anthony and Tyrese Halliburton. Who do you think comes out on top? <laughs> old school it would be cool. Yeah, Cole's going to dive on the floor. I think he comes out on top. I think, yeah, I just think he has more potential to possibly be an engine than... He's got a scoring mentality. And he's a dog. Yeah, he's a, he's a dog. I think Halliburton is, is a... I think he's a safe pick. That's... You know, I just have some concerns. I mean, he's skinny. He's really skinny. And he's been in college two years. So it's like, all right, if he didn't, if he wasn't able to put on weight in the two-year college program, 
is this his frame? Is he going to be able to defend multiple positions? Because he's so light. But that's just that's just me. But I think, yeah, I mean, anybody that does an interview with him, he's going to wow you with his interview, his IQ. I think that if he goes to Golden State, he's a perfect fit there. Um, but let's say he goes to Detroit. Is he a good fit there? That's been a, a landing spot for him. Yeah, I mean, if he goes to, yeah, I mean, if he goes to Detroit and Derrick Rose isn't there and they move, you know, how is he going to get his assist? Food for thought <laughs> right there. Food for thought indeed. Well, that's something to think about because Halliburton's name has been bandied about as a, like like I said earlier, as a top choice, someone that's right around, right after the big three that they're talking about, could even sneak in there on some people's mosh graphs and some analysts really love him out there. So, yeah, I hear you on that. That's some good points indeed. And if he does not have that aggression, he is petrified. He's like we see with Lonzo, petrified of going to the hoop. Uh, that could be an issue going forward in the NBA for him. That could be something that a lot of teams defending and how the way they defend. But one last question to hit you up with, my friend, and that is the Lakers at 28. Mm-hmm. What is the one player that you've heard that are that's right around in that range. The one player that you think that the Lakers have to get if he falls to them. There's just, you know, the, if every other player that slides by there that you could just say, okay, well, they should have gotten them, but it's all right that they didn't. What's the one player that they cannot miss? That's a tough one, simply because with this draft, you just don't know 15 through 35. Any of those guys could fall or, or or rise or you just never know. I think that yeah, I mean I think the Lakers are in a good position. Even though they're picking late in the first round and what is considered a weak draft. I think that they are there are players available that could come in and possibly help them right away. So let's say at let's say Rondo decides to take this offer with the Clippers. And it's hard to replace Rondo especially playoff Rondo. But I think a Cassius Winston or a Malachi Flynn could be available. Maybe even a Trey Jones could be available. If they're looking for a 3 and D wing, a Robert Woodard could possibly be available. Maybe even a Desmond Bain slips. He can come in and play right away. If you're looking for a backup big, you could have your choice between Zeke Nanaji or maybe Isaiah Stewart. A Jaden McDaniels could possibly fall. Someone who you can develop in South Bay and be patient with him. Uh, I mean, I just think like the Lakers are just in a a really good spot because they should be able to find somebody that can, um, that can come in and crack their rotation, which, um, you know, maybe Jemias Ramsey could be available. Yeah. I think they're in a, a pretty good spot. Isaiah Joe from Arkansas, another guy that, is a good shooter. He sprints the floor. He can shoot off the move. And we've seen how valuable guys that can shoot the three off of pin downs and, and movement are like Duncan Robinson. I mean, he, I mean, even though he's bigger than Isaiah Joe, but the fact that him moving and being a threat to shoot off the catch opens things up for his teammates. And so giving Bron a, a player like that, another shooter is, is a weapon. So it's hard for me to say one guy, but I think that if if there's a need for a playmaker, you should be able to get or have a choice between Cassius Winston or, or Malachi Flynn. Maybe even a guy like um, Tao Maladon. Yeah, I think the Lakers just in a good spot. Let's hope that's the case and they get a good player out of it. Pokashevsky falls. You never know. That could be someone who they could try to develop. Or Tyrell Terry. Falls, even though he's been working out with a lot of lottery teams, falls for some reason. That could be the case as well. So, a lot of interesting, like you said, it might mm-hmm. be there, who might not be there, and there's no pressure for the team to to go ahead and and pick someone that they have to because they're in the spot that they are, and they could end up trading it too. Yeah, yeah. So it, it's tough, but like I said, I think that they're in a position that you can get a guy who could go as high as 15th and could fall to them at 28 because it's just such a wide range. 
of, of players that I think could help. Even a guy like Xavier Tillman, I think he's ready to come in and play right away. Not a sexy name, doesn't have a a pretty game, but he's one of these scrappy role players that I think is going to end up going to a playoff team and cracking their rotation and just kind of making an impact because he's a big that can pass a little bit. He has a potential to be a, a, a decent floor spacer and then he defends. So there's always room for those guys. Absolutely. So my friend coming up a week from when we're recording right now, November 18th, I'm looking forward to it. Hopefully you and I can talk not too distant future about the NBA draft even more because it's our time of the year, my friend, NBA draft junkies per se. But speaking yep. of NBA draft junkies, I want to go ahead and give you the floor, my friend, on the way out on exactly everything you're doing at NBADraftJunkies.com, NBA Draft Junkies on YouTube, the Run the Floor podcast, and NBA Draft Junkies, wherever you get your Yeah, I mean, it, it's crunch time for me. This, this is the week that I've been preparing for so hopefully i can get all my content out i wanted to do like uh, team needs for all 30 teams so I'll, I'll have to to get on those i definitely have another mock draft coming out I have a few more guys that i plan on interviewing to finish out their big boards or their mock draft i have maybe five to ten uh player profiles that i want to get out and then after the draft, I, I plan on doing like a, a recap and, um, you know, maybe even interview some some guys about their thoughts on, on the recap. Maybe even like do stuff with uh, guys in their favorite team. It's uh, it's kind of come up fast. I had a lot of things that I wanted to do, but I, I ended up having to travel a little bit the last the last two weeks. So it kind of delayed it, but it's, it's go time. I'm, I'm a week away, so. I want to hold off that suit, but then still, you know, all those 20, uh, 30 suits that you had for the closet, save those for December, man. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, I'm, I'm actually just kind of looking forward to getting it over because I'm ready to start 2021. Just kind of tired of looking at these guys, <laughs> you know, yeah, just extra six months. I don't blame you. Yeah. I'm ready to, to come up with a, a new group of players and, and all of that. So yeah, I'm just looking forward to next week though. Well, we're always looking forward to speaking to you right here at the Lakers Fast Break. It is my good friend, Rafael Barlow, my compadre in crime when it comes to the NBA playoffs. Hopefully, if you didn't get a chance, you'll hear our banter. You Go ahead and check out the Lakers Fast Break channel for all those great podcasts. And you never know, it might pop up in part two and part three of the Championship Rewind. You never know, he, he might pop up here and there. So check that out in the coming weeks as well. Part one of the Championship Rewind is already up as you're hearing this on Podcast Outlets. So check that out. Some great conversations and parts of them right there for you. Again, I'm also going to have Chris LeBron from the Off the Ball Network. He's going to be on coming on later this week. And, of course, we also have a great prospect, Mike Lenoir, NBA draft prospect, coming on the show as well. So, my friend, I want to go ahead and say thank you. As always, I know you're going to be a busy man. I'm not going to go ahead and pester you unless it's for yamming. Did you like the pick? Did you like the pick? Did you like the pick? Off air, we're going to go ahead and talk about that. But on air, you're always welcome back. I know we're going to go ahead. I'll hit you up when it slows down for you. Maybe. I don't know. Who knows? <laughs> I just, it just came across my timeline that Lakers home games will have no fans for 2021. And Shams is reporting Russell Westbrook wants out of Houston. Oh, 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 so it is a reality now that he does want out of Houston because Tim McMahon from ESPN, you heard what we were talking about earlier. Those were the reports from him. So if Shams says it, uh-oh, somebody's talking to Shams about that. So Yeah, this is uh, bad because it's going to look like Chris Paul, Dwight Howard, and now Russell Westbrook don't want to play with Harden. For L.A., for other teams, for your team in Portland, my friend, I'm hoping for good things for you for next week for the NBA draft. We'll look out for them. And look out for all the things that are going on with the NBA right here at the Lakers Fast Break. And, of course, NBA Draft Junkies. Now is the time to catch up on all your NBA draft studying and all that, NBA draft fans out there. Now's the time to go ahead and hit up NBA Draft Junkies because it is the place to go for everything NBA draft. 
Well, my friend, it's been great talking to you as always. I look forward to catching up with you soon right here at the Lakers Fast Break Podcast.